You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Sunday's loss to the Cleveland Browns felt like deja vu from 2010 against the New York Giants. Jay Cutler sacked nine times in an ugly loss. Justin Fields sacked nine times in an ugly loss. It was a game that was rough all around, and we'll start to pick up some of the pieces on where to go from here and who to blame for yesterday's bad loss. This is Locked on Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group where we had some great talk during the game and afterwards. A lot more discussion going on there. Plus, subscribe to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts. Really appreciate everyone who makes Locked On Bears your first listen five days a week, free and available on all platforms. On the show today, we'll start with Justin Fields' performance. Some very real struggles from the rookie quarterback. We'll look at specifically where and what seemed more like Fields' fault, and then we'll get into some of the things Matt Nagy did and didn't do around the quarterback in terms of game plan, scheme, offensive line, etc. And then we'll wrap up with this Bears defense and the pass rush coming alive, where they were finding some success and what that might mean for this defense moving forward. But let's start with Justin Fields, of course, story of the game, everybody's eyes on what the rookie quarterback was going to do, and, you know, it was not anything close to what we were expecting, hoping for, and looking for. And it's easy to instantly sort of throw the blame and say, you know what, he was a rookie quarterback who wasn't ready or wasn't prepared or wasn't, it was put out there too early or whatever it might be. But it definitely does go beyond Justin Fields. I mean, first and foremost, when the guy is sacked nine times, you're not going to go through NFL history and find strong quarterback performances from a player who's brought down by opposing defenders behind the line of scrimmage nine times. And especially early on in that game, those sacks were fast and furious. He would get to the bottom of the top of his drop back and not even have a chance to like step into a throw. And the pressure is already there, nowhere to go and thrown down. Plus then you had some struggles in the running game when the bears would try and run the ball early on David Montgomery, not finding a lot of room, unable to really get that rhythm for this bears offense. And you got, you know, some three and outs stacked on from each other over and over again. But as the game goes on, and as the offense struggles, even the defense keeping the, the score close throughout that whole first half and into the second half a little ways, you could feel Justin Fields pressing a little bit more, pushing it a little bit more, trying to force things and not really sitting back and seeing everything clearly and as decisively as I think we saw him do at Ohio State, we saw him do in the preseason, and we saw him do more of even in the last two games that he's had you know, some opportunities not as the full-on starter. There were times where he knew he needed to get a completion, and the play would be drawn up to where it's essentially just kind of one read a, a number of times. They let him do some open, full progression stuff, but when they tried to have a play that would take time to develop, they just would never have anywhere close to the time for Fields to go through the full read. So in an effort to try and get the offense going, Nagy would call some of those kind of quick curls or a comeback route there or, you know, little things like that. But Fields would get would be pressing a little bit too much. And, like, there was an incompletion to Cole Komet where 
he he knew he wanted to go there. He knew that's where the play was supposed to go, and he's got a one read, sort of a, a slant or a flat, and you know he forces it in there on the slant in completion between about three different defenders, and it wasn't like at risk of being intercepted, but he did have Montgomery over in the flat where had he had he taken that extra half a second to really think and see and feel out the play as he normally would, I think there's an opportunity there for not only a completed pass, but Montgomery to make some yards after the catch and get into a little bit of a rhythm. And didn't feel like it was till like, I think, late in the fourth quarter, if I remember right, where Fields started kind of getting going again with just some some solid completions where he just was a little bit more decisive. I guess though it was the late third quarter, as I'm looking back over my notes, where they got that drive down into the red zone, and largely because of a defensive pass interference penalty on the pass that was just him literally floating up a jump ball for Allen Robinson into double coverage, and of course bailed out by the pass interference, but not a good decision to fire that ball downfield, but just trying to make something happen. But on that play, I, I believe Greg Olson pointed out on the broadcast, Darnell Mooney was running wide open up the middle of the field, but Fields is, you know, there's a place he wants to go with the ball, and he's trying to make this play work because he needs to make something work, and he's a competitor, and he's a hustler, and he wants to be that playmaker for his team, but right, he's he almost becomes too hyper-focused on making that play work a certain way and not sort of taking what the defense gives him. That's, that's I think, the distinction I'm trying to make here is that he was just, he was too dialed, almost too dialed in on, on trying to make a play where he needs to let it come to him a little bit more. And, and it's all extremely difficult to do when you've been sacked nine times and you can't trust your offensive line to really hold up anything consistently for you to, you know, go through a full progression and actually, like, make some nice reads and, and kind of, you know, run the offense the way it's supposed to. But it was definitely, you know, in that third quarter, it seemed like a couple moments there. And even late in the first half, there were a few of those drives where he had some throws. It was, you know, a decisive, not, nothing crazy, but there was a, you know, a 12-yard curl route to Allen Robinson, and then there was a, a dump off to David Montgomery that we were able to create some yards. And I think a couple of them were called back by penalties, and it's the same kind of thing where it's like you're hurting your rookie quarterback while he is also struggling. Because then down the stretch you saw there was a, a play where he just threw it like way over the head of one of his corner, one of his receivers. I think it was a curl route on the left sideline. And you could see his, his feet were just, his footwork was just off. He, he like dropped back on his hitch and then added another couple steps and then tried to throw halfway between the steps. And it's just little things like that that are kind of rookie quarterback things. And you need to solidify that footwork. And you can tell his feet are going because he's trying to make a play and he's trying to press and he's trying to do something to help his team get some action, get some yards going downfield. That excitement, that energy, that adrenaline, that leadership, that just desire to be a playmaker was all there for Fields. And those are generally can be good traits, but they're not helping him in these moments. And, And as much as the offense wasn't helping him and he wasn't helping himself in some of those spots. And then as the game went on, the pocket presence was also a little bit more of an issue. But I do think largely this was clearly an offensive line issue, much more than a Justin Fields issue. And I can't help but wonder, you know, if Andy Dalton had been in that game with his lack of mobility. I mean, he was he was moving pretty well against the Bengals, but he is not as quick as Justin Fields. I, I, I just don't feel like Dalton would have been a little more accurate on a couple of throws here and there, but I don't feel like he would have been able to overcome just how bad the offensive line was in front of him. It's, it's going to be a learning opportunity for Fields, but most importantly, it can't be the start of, bad habits. You can't let him keep getting killed like that and not getting help from his teammates and his coaching staff. We'll take a closer look at specifically what his teammates and coaching staff did and didn't do for the rookie quarterback next on Locked On Bears. All right, Bears fans, listen up. There is an incredible new app that I think you need to know about because it applies to pretty much everybody 
who listens to this podcast. It's called Get Upside, and it's for anyone that ever needs to buy gasoline for your vehicle. Listeners of this podcast can make up to 25 cents per gallon cash back every time you fill up. You just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or on Google Play right now and use our promo code TOUCHDOWN. And that promo code TOUCHDOWN will get you a 25 cent bonus on top of the original 25 cents. So you can get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back when you fill up your tank. I mean, with the gas prices as high as they are right now, you, you can't pass up an opportunity like this. So again, head on over to Google Play or the App Store, do- download the Get Upside app. That promo code is TOUCHDOWN. It's super easy to use. There's no hassle. There's no catch. They, they load the money into your account right away, and you can cash out directly to your bank account, or if you'd prefer PayPal or gift cards or however you want to do it, Get Upside makes it easy to get some upside when you fill up your tank. Again, the app is Get Upside. The promo code is TOUCHDOWN for up to $0.50 cents back per gallon on your first fill-up. The Bears clearly unable to cover a 7.5-point spread is where it landed at betonline.ag when it was all said and done. Clearly, uh, the, the, the better's giving the Bears a little bit more thought they'd score a little more on offense. They, the game cashed the under as well. And, of course, the number one place we recommend if you're going to get in on that action is betonline.ag. they got all the updated props, contests, over-under, money line spread, you name it. They've got it at betonline.ag, not just for pro football, not just for college football, but baseball, hockey season coming up, basketball season around the corner, soccer, tennis, golf, you name it. They've got it at betonline.ag. It's why it's the number one place we trust, and it's the number one place we recommend. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code NFL100, and you will get a 100% welcome bonus matching your first deposit dollar for dollar to give you double the money to play with and win big at betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. We talked on Friday's podcast and even on Thursday in our crossover Thursday podcast about how the Bears needed to do everything they could to help and support Justin Fields and make it easier on him against a Browns opponent that we knew was going to be good. We knew the Browns offense puts up a lot of points. We knew their defense had underachieved up to this point, but has strong talent at pretty much all three levels of the defense and have invested a lot on that side of the ball. And it really came to life in this game. And first and foremost, you know, we can, we, can blame, we can blame Matt Nagy's play calling. We can blame Matt Nagy's scheme. We can blame the offensive line. We can blame Justin Fields. But let's also give credit to the Cleveland Browns for being a really quality opponent. I mean, much like the Rams in week one, this is a team that is on the cusp of pushing for a Super Bowl. Definitely a playoff team and trying to show what they can do in the postseason to get into that Super Bowl conversation. So let's not pretend the Bears just crapped the bed against a bad team, right? This was an opponent that was going to test them, and the Bears were still within a touchdown for a lot of this game until things kind of broke up a bit in the third quarter into the fourth quarter. But there is there is a certain blame here that's just, wow, you played a good opponent, and it makes what you want to do offensively more difficult. Now, that does not excuse, then, what the Bears were unable to do and what they didn't seem to want to do, what they didn't do much of at all in terms of helping Justin Fields. Because for the first half, three quarters of this game, it was a lot of five-man protections. Justin Fields and the five offensive linemen. And okay, after the first sack, you don't have to completely abandon everything. After the second sack, maybe you don't have to abandon everything. Third sack in the first half, you, 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 we're going to hit the brakes and say, okay, something's not working here up front. Let's give the offensive line some more help. 
let's give Justin Fields some more help. And Greg Olson pointed out on the broadcast, almost never saw them actually chip Miles Garrett or, or leave a tight end in extra to pass block. By the end, the running back was staying in a little bit more, and they were trying some different things, and it still wasn't working, and they still couldn't get the protections right. But so much of this game, they weren't even trying that. They kept saying, all right, we're still going to trust our five offensive linemen to win one-on-one blocks. And we talked on Friday in the, the game plan show, getting ready for this podcast, you're going up against Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. And, you know, you got guys on the inside like Malik Jackson and Malik McDowell. And they've got depth to Tack McKinley off the bench. And then anytime they blitzed it, it was tough for the Bears offensive line to pick things up. First and foremost, I think, you know, we saw Jason Peters struggle a lot at left tackle. We saw Jermaine Effetti struggle a lot at right tackle. We knew the Bears offensive tackles were probably going to be an issue this season. We knew that was going to be a potential weak point on this team, and finally we saw that. But I think the player who's been skirting the most criticism among the media, I think, is the center, Sam Mustafer, who's responsible for the protections and calling things out and getting guys to block who they're supposed to block and make sure that communication is thorough. And he has not done a good job of that this season since week one. It has been a problem for three straight weeks. Yes, he's a former undrafted free agent. He doesn't have a lot of starting experience. You know, you want to give him some time to develop and some benefit of the doubt, but we're running out of time here. This offensive line has to get going. You can't keep losing games like this in this way and, and absolutely sabotage your own rookie quarterback. But a lot, a lot of that goes on Matt Nagy then too for not helping his offensive line more, not leaving in those tight ends, even to just chip, right? You don't have to do a seven-man protection every time with a running back and a tight end because then it's harder for receivers to get open because there's only there's fewer of them so the defenders can kind of attach a little bit more. It's harder to challenge the coverages in some of those same ways. So it's not just a, it's a, there's no end all be all solution here of Matt Nagy should have done just this one different thing, right? It's a, it's that mixture of some more seven man protections. How about moving the pocket a bit more? Again, it took three quarters before the bears actually tried that. And then when they did, the Browns knew it was coming. The Browns snuffed, sniffed it out all the way. And part, part of what bothers me about that is what we talked about on Friday's game plan podcast. When you're going to run play action like that, you have to also, in order for it to protect the quarterback, it, you have to also attempt to run the ball in a play that looks similarly to the type of play action you're going to run. And it doesn't really work that well when Justin Fields will do the shotgun handoffs to David Montgomery, and then when he goes under center and does the play action, it's always the rollout. And the defense knows under center he's not handing the ball off so they don't have to respect the run there as much because it's just not something they showed and, and really have even showed on tape up to this point so it's just an obvious tell that he's going to do the the rollout and so the edge defender could just kind of wait for it knowing that I'll trust my guys to stop the run if they do run it but otherwise I'm just going to key in on that quarterback and eliminate some of the protection benefit that you get from running that bootleg play action and moving Justin Fields occasionally it worked here and there and then the one time he slipped and took the sack on a play where the routes were going to be open. And then, right, there's some execution issues in addition to scheme not being the end-all, be-all solution there. But you know, even things that we saw the Browns do, and this is where the most frustrating part of this game was for me, is Bears fans looking around like, how can we get this offense going? Look at the other team. Your defense was harassing Baker Mayfield all game. You know, Robert Quinn had multiple sacks. Khalil Mack was in there. Mario Edwards. Your pass rush that we'll talk about in just a second here was phenomenal. And they were really disrupting a lot of what the Browns wanted to do. And yet, they were still able to put up 26 points. They had to settle for four field goals, but they found ways to move the ball even when their offensive line was struggling. And it was such a stark, right-in-your-face uh, contradiction to what the Bears had on their side, right? Both teams' offensive lines were struggling. 
both teams were facing difficult pass rushes. And one of the teams found a lot of great ways to keep their offense moving. They ran the ball consistently. They had what felt like a structured running game plan. It wasn't just a token shotgun handoff on first and 10, and then you got second and nine, and all right, we're passing. And, you know, it was this Bears kept running on first down over and over again. It were way too predictable in exactly when and how they were going to run the ball. Browns seemed to stick a matchup with different personnel. They went like three tight ends under center. They'd spread it out. They'd get the two running backs in different styles of run, the pin and pull, you know, some power and counter with Kareem Hunt, and then they'd get some inside zone going with Nick Chubb. I mean, they had a lot of different things they threw at this Bears defense to get their running game going. Then their play-action rollouts were a little bit more believable because they had run the ball out of those formations. They hit the Bears on some running back screens that we haven't seen the Bears offense run in what feels like years, the Bears finally went to one in the fourth quarter. After Matt Nagy saw the Browns do it to him three times, he got one to David Montgomery, and it worked, and it was a first down completion. And it's like, holy moly, how hard is it to figure some of this stuff out? How hard is it to watch the opponent do it to you for three and a half quarters before you say, hey, you know what? Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should try that. It's working for them against us when our defense is having success, and now their defense is having success, and I mean, good God, man. That's where the frustration is such, it's boiled over with Matt Nagy and why Bears fans are completely ready to cut ship. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, this was, this was really what we needed to see, right? You have a talented quarterback, and you just need to support him with good play calling and scheme. And, and obviously there's some talent issues in the offensive line up front, and it's more than just the head coach. But the head coach really did not support his quarterback in a very clear and obvious way that really differentiates a lot of that question of, is it Matt Nagy or is it the talent that he has? It's definitely, at least to a large degree, also Matt Nagy. It squandered but was a really strong defensive performance from Sean Desai's group, at least for the majority of the game, eventually wearing down. But we'll look at Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, and the return of this Bears pass rush next on Locked On Bears. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you watch the game live. You've got another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching other sports highlights on your phone. And then you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you crave without the hassle. It's a really a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your favorite live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to ever buy another device ever again. And the best part is, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and, and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Did you get your box of cookie dough chunk Built Bars, the best flavor of the world's best tasting protein bars. I cannot get enough of them, and I'm so excited for that package to arrive in the mail for me because just like all Built Bars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft and they're chewy, but the cookie dough chunk flavor, as its name would tell you, has chunks of cookie dough in it, actual cookie dough in a protein bar that's still healthy and good for you. It's low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein, but it's sweet and delicious, and again, has real cookie dough. You cannot find a protein bar that has actual real cookie dough in it. it, still tastes this delicious, and it's only, I think, five grams of sugar, 
150 calories, but still 15 grams of protein. It is an elite combination. You cannot beat it. You cannot find it anywhere else. That's why I ordered a box for myself. It's on its way right now. And when I ordered, I used our promo code LOCKED15, and I got 15% off my order. And that's not exclusive to me. You can use it. Go to BuiltBar.com. Get your box of Built Bars. Promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Somehow, we ended up feeling a lot better about this Bears secondary by the end of this game. It didn't feel like they got particularly torched in some of the ways that we were worried about, certainly against the Rams in week one and, and a little bit against the Bengals. We know Baker Mayfield can get out and throw the ball pretty well. He's had a pretty good season. He had a bad game. That will, that can be sort of a separate point here. He, had, he missed some wide-open throws that were surprising for Baker Mayfield, and the Bears definitely benefited from that, but some of that, I think, was forced by great pressure up front, and everyone's only, I mean, everyone's really going to talk about the nine sacks that the Browns defense has and, and overlook what I think the Bears ended up with five, which is a great performance. I mean, a five-sack day, you'll absolutely take that, especially when Robert Quinn gets a sack and a half, Angela Blackson got in there, Khalil Mack credited with two sacks, Mario Edwards' sack as well. Coming from a lot of different places, even when Mack gets hurt and comes back and Akeem Hicks gets hurt, you know, they're you're still finding pass rush from guys. And I guess first and foremost, the return of Mario Edwards Jr. from suspension was a welcome sight. Great job on the sack, some, some great pass rushes in there. And he made some great stops in run defense, too. The Bears' front seven was, at least the, the pass rush, the front, was looking very strong. By the end of the game, the run defense wears down as they, you know, the offense keeps going three and out, three and out, three and out. And this is the formula we've seen with the Bears' defense over the last three seasons. They'll play really, really well for a half, three quarters. But if your offense doesn't give you a break, doesn't put points on the board to keep things close, eventually the defense can't do the whole game for you, right? I mean, as much as it felt like they could against the Bengals, you can't against a good team like the Cleveland Browns. And even when your pass rush is firing on all cylinders and Jalen Johnson is still playing well, though that was a really fun matchup we saw with he and Odell Beckham because Baker Mayfield was going after them. And he did some shadow coverage, another thing we talked about on Friday's podcast. We weren't sure, is he going to just stick where he always does or is he going to follow Odell Beckham? They had some great back and forth. Beckham got him a couple times. But Jalen Johnson got him a couple times too. There was... There was one route, and I think it was the offense's right sideline where Jalen Johnson is in off coverage and read the route before Odell Beckham made the turn. Like, Beckham was running a comeback route. You know, goes vertical and is going to turn around and come back to the quarterback. And Jalen Johnson started going back to the quarterback before Odell Beckham did, and he got two hands on that ball and tried to pick it off at the sideline. It was elite cornerback play. I mean, just top-notch exactly how you would draw it up veteran savvy play I mean, he is still playing at such a high level even though they got him a couple times and Odell pushed off on one of them that I don't think he got flagged for they'll go back and forth but that was a really fun one to watch but regardless pass rush impacting Baker Mayfield making him miss some of these throws bringing him down to I mean, two fourth down stops on those first two drives were so critical to keeping this Bears team in in the driver's seat or at least in there for the majority of the first half and into that third quarter. But again, they wear you down with that running game. Two great running backs, a overall strong offensive line. I just felt like the Bears defense really lost that energy by the third and fourth quarter because they were on the field for 100 plays. I mean, it wasn't 100 plays, but it felt like they were on the field for 100 plays. And as much as they'd make stops here, there, and really kind of flash, 
they just couldn't keep it up for four quarters. And by the time you get to the end of the fourth quarter, defensive line's not holding up as well up front. Then that means the offensive line is getting to the linebackers, and so the running back has some room to run. And then you have Eddie Jackson's horrible missed tackle attempt on the end there, that long breakaway touchdown run. And it's just the frustration points of this defense start to seep back at the end. But this was not a negative defensive performance at all. I mean, really, all things considered, to hold them to 26 was not a bad showing all in all, I mean, they stopped them. They held them to four field goals plus two fourth down stops. It was only two touchdowns they allowed, and only you know, your defense can do better. And needs you, you always want the defense to do better. And they even say, you know, they they feel like they need to do better because they don't want to allow any points any game. But this this felt like progress, even though they gave up twenty six. I mean, Robert Quinn was on a tear, and he is looking healthy and energetic and explosive, and that's so key when you have that opposite Khalil Mack because for the first quarter and a half to or maybe even first half total, they were putting two and three blockers on Khalil Mack every time. They were chipping him with a running back or a tight end, and he was getting his butt kicked, just like physically. Like they would just jam somebody into him, and he kept getting knocked over. And I wasn't surprised when he went to the locker room injured because they, they were throwing two or three guys at him. And so you needed the other one-on-ones to win, and it was Robert Quinn with great speed against a rookie left tackle. Definitely a matchup the Bears were smart to be able to take advantage of. But Angelo Blackson, Mario Edwards, Akeem Hicks getting in there, all of those guys having some success with pass rush and those one-on-ones set up by Khalil Mack taking so much of that attention. That's even when you don't feel like Khalil Mack is making this big, many of the big splash plays, although finally gets the two sacks, he's still having that impact and that attention that he takes from the opposing defense that makes a world of difference for this front seven. Felt like Roquan Smith struggled a little bit in this one, beaten coverage a few different times. Baker Mayfield missed a couple of the wide-open throws that Roquan was just out of position for, and then that touchdown catch as well. Austin Hooper slips by behind him. You want him to kind of carry that deeper. You got to know where the end zone is. I don't. If you're Roquan Smith, I don't care if they complete the pass in front of you. Don't let him complete the pass right behind you, and it just communication with the safeties there, but Roquan needs to be the one that follows that tight end up the seam right through his zone. Yeah, that's, that's him, and just let's... Hold off a little bit on crowning him as just a future Hall of Famer just yet. There's still going to be ups and downs for him still very early in his career. But obviously, you know, not worried about Roquan Smith as much. So a lot of dime packages from the Brown, from the Bears defense. DeAndre Houston Carson in as that third safety. They were really trying some different things. Sean Desai went back to some of the same Khalil Mack looks with putting Robert Quinn and Mack together on the same side and putting Mack at inside linebacker and twisting him with Roquan Smith over the middle. But the blitzes weren't getting home as well early in the game, but really turned it up, I think, as things went on. So, you know, I think, I don't know, is it hard to say the defense did their job when they gave up 26? I mean, I think they, they did enough of their job for enough of this game to where if you have any sort of reasonable offense, any kind of average offensive output, I think the defense did its job in that regard. And so you just kind of hope that the pass rush can keep this up. Doing it against a great offensive line like this should be a big confidence booster for them moving forward. And if the offense can just start to figure something out, figure out some way to help rookie quarterback, maybe just maybe you can win some football games here and try and, you know, be that be that team that we thought they would be with Justin Fields. So we'll see how things sort of progress this week. We'll hear from Matt Nagy, I'm sure, on tomorrow's podcast, trying to diagnose some of what went wrong and where how much of the blame he's going to truly blame on himself or how he might spin what exactly happened in that game. So we'll break the, all of the coaches' comments down, plus we'll hear some some players and whatever news and notes come out about these Bears injuries, including Justin Fields' hand. Sounds like everything's okay, but maybe a little bit banged up at the very end there. X-rays came back clean, should be fine, but Andy Dalton's injury will be a storyline as well whenever he's ready to go again. We'll break it all down for you right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily 
in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. It's free and available on all platforms, including our YouTube channel. Appreciate everyone who likes the videos, comments, joins in the conversation there, or some great conversations on the Lockdown Bears Facebook group during game day as well. Appreciate all of the loyal listeners there as well. All of you that make Lockdown Bears your first listen every single day is really helpful for us. Really appreciate everyone who's been a part of the podcast. And even when you know you have a tough game like this that disappoints in a lot of different ways, I hope the podcast and the community around Lockdown Bears can help make it just a little bit easier to bear down.